0: Welcome back. You are listening to another episode of KeepTheChange.co.nz's Money Mail. It is good to have you tuning in. Hopefully you've had a good week or whatever by the time you get to listen to this. A little bit of ACON to bring us in there. Locked up. What a tune. 2000s throwback apparently. This week we've got a pretty gnarly topic and I've had a couple of emails back saying, fucking hell mate, way to ruin me Friday heading into the weekend, which is completely Understandable because we're talking about unemployment, and that is not something that is fun to talk about. It's a little bit like when I had to write about death and doing wills and shit, people are like, Whoa, this one's grim. But it is a little bit of the reality of what we're going through at the moment and what the Reserve Bank are trying to create in some ways. And that brings me to people who message me and say, You know, why I just don't get it. Why do people need to lose their jobs? And it is such a good Question. Now, we're going to go through what I've sort of figured out as a way to explain it, but there are also people who disagree with what I'm putting together. Now, these are just things that I've learned and how I've tried to make sense of it. Uh, there would probably be people that would explain it in a different way, so please don't take mine as gospel, but I'm sure as I take you through it, and it took me quite a while to write this to think, does this actually make sense? to people who may not be into their economics and finance and things like that as much as me. So I tried to really lay it out so that you can understand why the fuck would we want people to lose their jobs because that just sounds very, very brutal. Now, that's exactly what we called this money mail. It is why do people need to lose their jobs? Now, let's get into it. The unemployment rate has risen from... to 3.9% from 3.6% last quarter. So it's just gone up in the September quarter that we've now measured and we get the data in October. So it is slowly increasing. As I said before, people ask, why the hell would we want to increase unemployment? Shouldn't we want more people working? So to be honest, I don't really feel like it makes sense and I guess you probably feel the same way. But together, let's go on a learning journey and try to make sense of it. Before we do, we probably need to understand the wage price spiral first. You might have heard people talk about the wage price spiral, so what the hell is it? Well, it is the vicious circle of rising wages and increasing prices, prices, i.e. you want a pay rise because things are becoming more expensive due to inflation. You ask for one and you get one. So you're stoked, right? You're noticing that things are becoming more expensive, so you think, well, hang on, I need a pay rise and you get one, happy days, you roll on, carry on into your life. Now your employer is noticing prices are rising for them too, like the filtered water cooler is dearer than last year, the star fruit box, the power to run the office, all of the input costs that they need to create the products that they're making, even insurances for instance, you get the drift right so you're noticing inflation and prices go up but so are they. Now your employer, much like you, You you want to maintain a certain amount of purchasing power and a level of income, right? So your employer wants to protect their margins so they consider increasing their prices. Now, I didn't put this into the money mail, but as an example, let's say prior to COVID, someone was making $250,000 a year. Now, that's a 1% income in New Zealand. That's before tax. And often just on that, a number of the things, usually when I talk about things, I will usually talk about them in pre-tax dollars and I will then usually tell you if I'm not okay. So I've noticed when I've been doing some content on Instagram recently, people are saying, that they're thinking that I'm talking about after-tax because that's what they're thinking about because they don't think they think about what money they get in the hand. So when I'm saying this is the average wage in New Zealand, and it ain't fucking me coming up with a number, it's statistics in New Zealand, they're like, what the hell, you're out, the fuck, you're out of your mind, mate, I didn't even get that a fortnight, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But they're thinking about after-tax, I'm talking about pre-tax. Now, the big disparity in that stuff is because I think incomes have gone up massively due to COVID, and then at the higher end as well, that drags the average up, and for a lot of people, they're now paying high levels of tax, so then after um, their tax, they've got a net amount that they're going, well, actually, that's nowhere near the pre-tax level. I have, probably haven't explained that well, but people are thinking, hang on, that can't be the average income, and we might have to do a separate pod on that, but you probably saw some content popping up on the old Instagram feed. If you follow the Keep the Change Instagram page. But anyway, 250K salary before COVID, you basically now need to earn about $310,000 after COVID and now in 2023 to have the same net amount and buying power as earning $250,000. So that's a, what's that? $58,000 pay rise. So let's just say that your employer and this is painting them in a bad light, but this just as an example, because you're going to think, oh yeah, fucking hell, that's the level of money they make. No, they don't. 1% of people make over 250K. But anyway, say they were making 250K pre the pandemic, pre all this inflation, they're going to need, they're going to think, well, I still want the same sort of life. Just like you, you're going, hey, I want, I want a pay rise because things are more expensive. What's going on here? Give me a pay rise. They're thinking, well, shit, I kind of want the same thing. I still want to be able to afford all the things that I could pre the pandemic, So if I'm going to make 308 k how are we going to do that? I need to make this more profitable. Well, I can't fucking control my, my input costs. I can't control my wages. I still need these people. Shit, what do I do? Well, your employer wants to protect their margins and their profits so they consider increasing their prices too. So they raise their prices and then customers end up paying more. These customers now want higher wages themselves. See, so it goes in a massive spiral. Now, you've probably seen this. When you now go to get a coffee and you think, fuck, a coffee is dearer. And it's very, very noticeable, I think, if you're adding in extras and different alternate milks. If you're, uh, gee, I was going to say something bad you probably can't say anymore. Like me up here in Auckland, let's just put some terminology into that. Now, you look at it and you go, whoa, that is expensive. But the input costs to create that coffee are a lot higher. Now, You kind of want to be paid more to ensure that you can still buy those things or something has to change in your lifestyle, right? But as we all then notice that people are putting up their prices like cafes and whatnot, you think, well, you know, I'm, you know, the customer ends up paying at that stage. And then you go, well, shit, a coffee's seven bucks now. I still want it. So I'm going to ask for a pay rise at my next pay review. And I hear inflation's still here. So you, you're telling me basically I need to be paid more. Now, this results in an ugly, endless loop of inflation. Rising prices generate wage demands that in turn shoot up prices again. Then we are back to the start inflation. If this goes on for too long, the wage price spiral results in rampant inflation, which, if it gets bad enough, has the ability to erode the value of a currency, resulting in the collapse of an economy. Now, that is some real worst case scenario type shit, but that's where it can get to. This is why the Reserve Bank, you know are tasked with a job to keep inflation under control and why this is so important. Because it's not just, oh, your coffee's getting dearer. It is, if this doesn't get controlled and if they don't sort it out, you can really fuck an entire economy and you can see the value of a currency eroding. Now, people in New Zealand, they're going to be noticing this already and they're seeing that money, its value is being eroded and they want to protect it by buying something that should increase in value over time i.e. New Zealand houses. Does that ring any bells? That's why if you actually have a look at house prices and have a look what they are in real terms, adjusted for inflation, they're not actually going up in price. They're still coming down. Again, another pod that's probably going to take a fair bit of context and information to help explain. So the nominal amount, i.e. the prices are going up, but in real terms, they're actually going down because people are then earning more and they have got the ability to purchase them, well, that's decreasing as well. But basically, we're seeing some people be able to to buy properties but a a big portion of the economy not be able to afford interest rates and things, so the demand isn't there. But we are seeing an eroded dollar that people want to protect, so then they want to put that into something that is going to help them feel like they're protecting that. And I think that's naturally why a lot of people gravitate towards housing in New Zealand because we've all been taught, well, they just keep going up over time because people basically go, well, once I've brought all my shit, what am I going to do with the rest of my cash? You know, continue to put it into housing. And that has been one way that people have tried to look after the erosion of their purchasing power over time by putting it into something, i.e. I told you recently about the Craig's Investment Seminar they were talking about $10,000 under the bed in 1965. You know, it's it's eroded right down to a basically about $483. So just leaving cash under a bed gets killed by inflation because it's constantly being eroded. But I feel like we've hammered that home a number of times, but you can see why it's so important that the Reserve Bank try and stay on top of this stuff. So the tricky piece for the Reserve Bank is that the unemployment rate has been very low for some time. Now, the pre-election economic and fiscal update that everyone was calling the pre-few, they'd never even fucking heard of that, but that's what everyone was banging on about prior to the election. The 2023 update suggested that the unemployment rate is forecast to peak at 5.4% in early 2025. Now, reminder from the top, it's now at 3.9%. So we've still got 1.5% to go. Now 1.5 divided by let's say four is a pretty high percentage so we still have a pretty big percentage increase to go. 1.5 may not sound like a lot but when you actually divide it by what it currently is, it's quite a lot of people. Now Statistics New Zealand tells us that 118,000 people are currently unemployed and that's 3.9% so therefore that's going to increase by quite a lot. Now just for some context, We've actually been here before, we've been at higher levels of unemployment, et cetera, et cetera. We probably haven't been here when we've had this high levels of debt that people are having to, you know, to have to service. And that's what someone said to me, like, geez, mate, I didn't want to even have to think about this. How the hell would I pay my mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. And that that is the very, very scary piece. And we'll get to that at the bottom. But Stats New Zealand tell us at the moment 118,000 people are currently unemployed. Then you can get into all the stuff around fucking underutilised, underemployed and stuff. It is quite confusing, but let's just focus on the simple stuff to start with. Well, relatively simple. But this brings us back to the start, right? Why the hell would we want this number to increase? Why do we want more than 118,000 people unemployed? Well, when unemployment is low, employers usually need to pay higher wages to attract and keep employees. This ultimately leads to rising wage inflation. Now, you know as well as I know that when times are good, you kind of get a bit picky and choosy, and we're like, well, what's that job paying? Well, what's that one paying? Oh, that one's paying 10 grand more. And then we're going, well, I actually like job A, but it's paying less, so fuck it, I might go to job B just because I want the extra 10K. And you go back to job A and you say, actually, you're going to take this one. Oh, why are you taking that? Oh, it's paying a bit more. Oh, well, uh, you know what? Okay, we we will pay the extra 10 grand, and then boom, you've got your 10 grand and you've got the job that you wanted because the employer is going, shit, There is no one that I can grab and you seem like a good candidate, we're happy to pay the cash, let's just figure it out and let's roll with it. So then wages start getting pushed up, right? Now, when unemployment is higher, there are more people looking for work. There may be more people willing to do those jobs than there are job listings. So now back to that example, employer A is like, well, actually... We've got this person who seems probably just about as good and as good of a fit for this role, and they're not asking for another 10K, so we're going to go with them. With more potential employees available, employers don't need to throw extra cash at them to get them, meaning wages don't rise as fast. With low unemployment, actually, I'll get to that in a second. So, the moment as unemployment's low, and previously it has been, there's been a lot of that going on, right, where people are picking and choosing, and they're finding the role that's going to give them the best cash and stuff and employers are competing for a smaller pool of labour because people have got jobs and there aren't many people who are looking for a job. But with low unemployment as well, it means that many people have disposable dollars because people are employed and working and getting pay rises. So there's sort of two parts to it. So the first bit we've just explained about us trying to hunt out the best deal for our, ourselves, but also secondly, when a lot of people have got jobs, we've got low unemployment, we're thinking, fucking, economy's rocking and rolling here, life's pretty good. Yeah, we'll tick that shit up, I will chuck it on the old credit card. Yeah, we'll get a buy now, pay later. How good, baby, this is a good payback over time. And that means that People are out there, they're spending and businesses effectively like this too because people are out transacting with them. Now if these same people are potentially going to lose their job or do lose their job, you would expect that they would decrease their spending. So the old, oh should I chuck this on the credit card, probably not because I'm not going to get that bonus that I thought I was, etc. You're not going to do that stuff and so the spending is going to decrease. Now, businesses then see less customers and less transacting, meaning they start to consider their own demand for their employees. Now, if the demand for the things that they are selling decreases, then they start to think, well, shit, how can I trim some of the expenses in this business? Do we need people here this entire time? Do we need to be open that day? Are there different ways to do this? Could we do some of it online? Could could the business owner do more than they currently are and then not rehire the next person who was doing that role, all of those things start to change. And they may even consider letting go of some of their current employees. Is this making sense? Hopefully. Most economists seem to tell us that wages have been keeping pace with inflation, meaning that a lot of people have received pay rises to counter the impacts of inflation. Now what that means is that wages have been keeping up with inflation, so for a lot of people that haven't been noticing this stuff, they're saying, well actually, Yes, I know that things are getting more expensive, but it's not too much of a problem. They're just carrying on with it because they're getting a pay rise as well and it's sort of loosely keeping pace with it according to some uh, economists. But that tide may have turned in many industries. Unemployment has been sticky and the economy still hasn't felt the faster effects of Kiwis losing their jobs. And shit, I'm not looking forward to that playing out because it will hurt a lot of people. Losing a job can be a massive chapter in someone's life. I want to remind you that I don't make the rules, but the above is a bit of a lay of the land and a layout of the rules currently at play. Now, recently, I spoke to someone who was potentially going to lose their job, and there are some high-level thoughts here that I thought may help some of you, and they are very off the cuff. Now, I point out after laying these out that I'm sure there's much better advice out there, and... There are different ways to think about this but when this person told me here are some of the things that I mentioned to them. I said don't take it personally because it may not really be about you. Perhaps it's about all of the stuff we've just spoken about. Secondly tell your partner don't hide it from them. Thirdly do a financial budget of what life could look like with less or no income. Many people won't do that. This person was like huh I hadn't thought of that. Being a geeky accountant and using numbers that is the first thing that I would do. I would figure out, okay, if I were to lose my income or it was to decrease, how long could I survive? And maybe that's just because we've been banging on so long about having emergency funds and things like that. But humans are great at sorting solutions when their back's against the wall, but you don't always need to let your back get against the wall for you to figure that out. And it could be that you go, we haven't fucking wanted a border, but if I lose my job, we're sure as hell going to have to have one. So then you know that that's a lever. So when you do that budget, consider what things may need to start, stop, or pause. And that's why I have start in there, because as an example, it could be a border. But naturally, people's brains go to negative, cut, decrease, and they think, what are all the expenses we can cut out? Cool but don't get trapped there. Think about more abundance, growth, extra as well, which your brain won't default to. So you want to look at that budget and think, okay, what are all the things in here that may need to be paused or may need to stop for a while, but going back up to your income, so the top of our, what we call our income statement, or our statement of profit and loss if you're in the accounting world, is basically revenue minus expenses equals profit. And same sort of thing, what money do you have coming in? What expenses do you have going out? What have we got left over with? You want to think, how can I add to that top line? Because it's just about to get taken from you. So what levers do you have to pull to ensure that you've got some income coming in? And it could even be a, a benefit, for instance, or a form of assistance from the government. You've got to figure those things out individually. Now, then the next point is discuss this with your partner too, because you need to keep them in the loop of what this could look like and probably get on the same page with it so you can figure these things out together. Now, also write down what you can and can't control. So identify your worry so that you can try and turn your brain off when it keeps coming up with the things that you can't actually control. I.e., if a job redundancy is realistically, completely out of your control, then it's probably not a good use of your brain and energy and thoughts to keep worrying about that if that is the inevitable income instead focus on what you can control, what you can do on the other side of that as we've just been speaking about. So then also I said to this person, what are you scared of? Perhaps that's something you could ask yourself too. And sometimes it's not financial, it is, it's embarrassing, I'm worried about my children's education, whatever. But you've got to identify that for yourself too of why potentially losing your job could be so scary. Now also ensure that your CV is as up to date as possible. Again, Back against the wall, fuck, I better do my CV. Well, why not keep it updated? Isn't that a living document? And when times are good, we probably don't think about that as much, but get that thing sharp and figure out how you can stand out. And maybe it needs to look different to the way that it used to look when you got your job three years ago, four years ago, or whatever, right? You've got to then, you're back in another race competing with other people who are going to be competing for those jobs as well. Now, finally, I said, remember that many people say that being made redundant or losing their job was the best thing that happened to them. How could that be your positive take on a negative situation? Now, how long is it going to take? You're probably going to need hindsight to be able to get to that point as well and think, you know what, that was actually really good. And and how do you know that the job you have right now is actually the, the job that you really love and enjoy? You could find something that is even more enjoyable. I know that I'm often trying to be optimistic and look for the positive positive. And that can be very hard to do in a situation like this. But many people say that, that losing their job was one of the best things that happened to them because they then got to found, find a different path. Again, I'm sure there's some better advice, but that was what my brain gave me when this person asked me. So all in all, you can probably now see how high interest rates, i.e. to decrease disposable income for those with loans, as well as rising unemployment can slow the economy down, right? So that is your economics lesson for the day. Now get out there and have a good end to the week. You're one of over 8,650 recipients, about 4,500 on LinkedIn. The podcast has over nearly 50,000 downloads in October. Please feel free to share these lessons with somebody, chuck something on your story, share a reel, etc. I'll be stoked. Did you know, if you weren't confused enough, there are also underemployed people. Yes, underemployed. Now underemployed people are people employed part-time who want and are available for more work, but they don't have that yet. So not only do we have unemployed people, we also have underemployed people as well. So this is actually a big area uh, to learn about because there is a lot more to it than just sort of what is the unemployment rate. There we go. There's your lesson. There is me trying to explain why people need to lose their jobs. It sounds hideous, doesn't it? And very scary, but hopefully that helps you make sense of it. You might need to go back through. I've sort of laid out three big factors in there and tried to explain them with some examples and then step it out I'm sure that you've taken something from that hopefully that doesn't happen to you but hey if it does I would love for that to be something that you've already thought about and you're not so blindsided by it now just as I go in this and log off I've got uh, someone emailing and they say I literally haven't read this yet so I'm just going to read it straight out so please I get these and grateful for your simple explanations to the complex issues Sharing your knowledge to empower others to take control of this stuff is so awesome. Thank you. I'm pretty sensible but used to have my head in the sand on a few things, so loving the learning to make small changes. How good. That is an outstanding email to come through right at the end of that, and that makes all of this stuff all the more worthwhile so that we can be better educated as these ugly things pop up in the economy and we can understand why. You know, Why is this shit going on? Sometimes if we can make sense of it, we can uh, feel more comfortable about it. The saying, you know, once you know better, you do better. Righto, be good out there, and I will see you on the next episode of Money Mail.